Last week, uh, I spoke on the topic of faith, and uh, this week I want to do the same. I want to stay in that lane, and, and maybe we step into maybe some bold faith this week. And, and in order to kind of walk us through this, I'd love to just jump right on in. I'm kind of excited, so I might get a little passionate this week. Um, so, you know, join in with me. If you, if you feel, you know, the move of God, join in with me. Like I always say, I love your interaction and engagement. So just join on with me. But we're going to dive right into the Word today. And, uh, and I hope that God is able to, to speak through me. Uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And we're going to go to verse 10, starting at verse 10. I'll read through this with us. And I know we just went from transitioning from worship to giving high fives and kind of all over the place. So lock in with me. Let me get your attention and focus. And let's read through this together. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What an amazing story of what took place here about 2,000 years ago. Before we dive in any further, can you guys just join me in prayer real quick? Lord, we love you so much. Uh, what an honor to be here in your presence, presence of God Almighty where you've made your presence known here as we've turned our praise and our attention toward you, that you've been able to bring your presence to us in a tangible way. What an honor, what a privilege. God, I pray that you would speak through me today, that your word would come through clearly. God, that we would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word and what you have to say here today, that it would give us bold faith, to be able to operate from a place of bold faith to do all that you have called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says amen. 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 Have you ever met someone or gotten to know someone that, um, 
you know, you, you really like, you, you come closer and closer to, and maybe respect and, you know, they're an inspiration to you. And then later on in the relationship, found out about their past and that past didn't quite line up with the way you know them to be. Have you ever, ever met someone like that where it's like, hang on, that doesn't even add up. That's not you. My grandpa, Russell, uh, he, he passed away when I was seven years old. So I was pretty young. This is my dad's dad. And Grandpa Russell was my pastor my whole little life. And uh, he was this amazing man of God that uh, loved people so much. Like he would go the extra mile to help someone out. He just was so selfless. Uh, he, he was someone that I just, man, in the, the seven few years that I got to spend with him, he made such an impression. Uh, he had this bigger than life personality. Uh, he, he used to lead worship as well, and he would preach. And uh, when he would get real excited, he would do this thing where he like hopped across the stage. <laughs> And uh, he just would get so excited. Like he, he would hop all the way across the stage. And so us little kids in the rows were, you know, <laughs> hopping right along with grandpa. And, and you know, he, we just followed everything that grandpa did. He, he was hilarious. I mean, he did the craziest thing that we would just, you would be dying laughing. That was grandpa. And as he passed and I grew up a little bit and you start to learn more about grandpa as you get a little older and mom and dad fill us in that, you know, grandpa wasn't always this amazing man of God. In fact, he didn't even believe in God. Before you, he, he lived this, this life that, that resembled nothing of what Christ did and how Christ taught us. No, he didn't even believe in any of that. And I'm like, What? That's not, no, like that's not grandpa. That's not, that's not how I know grandpa. See, we've talked a ton about Paul and, and week after week, it almost seems like we talk about Paul from scripture because Paul, Paul was this amazing man of God. I mean, he wrote majority of the New Testament. Let's just start there. He's the one that like wrote what we read today. He, he was the one that he just spread the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did. He would go from one town and just spread the news just as Jesus commanded he to, him to do as well as us. He would go to, to a town, he would spread the good news. And when he would hear that like his life was literally in danger, he'd run to the next town and do the same thing. And when his life was in danger again, he'd run to the other. Like nothing was gonna stop him because he had this amazing, bold faith. But Paul wasn't always Paul. Paul started as Saul. He was called Saul at the beginning of our story here today. Saul was a terrible man. He was terrible. He, he was this violent man. He was on a mission to stomp out this good news of Jesus that people are talking about. His mission was to shut it down. 
He was throwing people in prison, throwing Christians in prison left and right. And if they didn't behave, he would just kill them altogether. Like that's the man that I'm talking about. A violent man that, that Christians rightfully and understandably would, would fear if this man comes around. So here is Saul earlier on in chapter nine, starting at the top of chapter nine, Saul is going to go to Damascus and he goes to the high priest and he says, hey, give me these letters of approval to go into these synagogues in Damascus so I can go in there and rip these Christians right out of church and take them straight to prison. That's what he did. And, and that was his mission to go do exactly that. Man, woman, it didn't matter. If they believed in this Jesus guy, I'm going to get him. So he is on his way to, Mas to Damascus. And you know, something that I think is pretty cool about our God is he's not just after the good people. He's not just after the good people. He's after those violent, bitter, stuck-up, self-centered. He, he is going after all his people. That's, I, I love that because we, serve, we say we serve a God of all, the Lord of all. He wants testimonies of all people from all backgrounds, from all experiences, from all screw-ups. He wants it all. So here's Saul tracking down the people of God. And meanwhile, God is tracking him down. He's going to kill the faith, and he ends up being the one with the faith. He ends up being the one to spread the faith. But he doesn't know all of that quite yet. He's on his way to Damascus to do some damage. And as he's getting close to Damascus, Jesus from heaven, who has already ascended into heaven at this point, he, he cracks open the curtain of heaven down on Saul and this, this light, very bright light, just shines down on Saul to the point it knocks him to the ground. It knocks him straight to the ground and Jesus says, Saul, Saul, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? You're not persecuting these people. You're persecuting me. And let me tell you, that's good news for you and I as well, because when the enemy pokes and prods and picks on you, they're picking on Jesus. And Jesus, just like like he, he did in our story, he had the back of him. He's got our back. So when the enemy is picking and prodding on you, Jesus himself has got your back. When you got, it's like, you know, when you're little brother and you got big brother behind you, you can be a little tough, you know, like, yeah, you want some? Huh? I, had a, I had a friend, I won't call him out. He was a smaller guy and he got real courageous when Dustin and I are around. I'm like, come on, man. I ain't about that. 
<laughs> so Saul, Saul gets knocked to the ground. He says, who are you, Lord? He's already calling him Lord because of this just like magnificence that is happening in front of him. Jesus responds, I'm Jesus. I'm, I'm the one that y'all killed off. I'm the one that you're, you're killing off the people that are following me. I'm that dude. Now, go on, <laughs> go on to Damascus, and I'll tell you what to do from there. Just get, get it, go ahead. And he closes the curtain back up of heaven. Saul gets up off the ground. The problem is, is now Saul is blind. He's, he's completely blind. So his, his buddies that are with him, his helpers, help him get to Damascus. And now, now Saul is experiencing in the natural what he has always experienced in the spiritual, a blindness. He's left with no sight and all he's doing is, is kind of feeling his way around now. When you're disconnected from Jesus, when you're disconnected from him, and you're in that spiritual blindness, you're left with your feelings. You're just left with your feelings. You're not operating out of place of faith anymore. It's just how you feel. That, that can get dangerous, can't it? I don't, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like going to church today, right? I don't feel like it. You go into two-year-old tantrum mode. I don't, I, they hurt my feelings, my feelings, my feelings. You know, like we get in our feelings and we get this thing all mixed up. We got to operate out of faith not of, out of our feelings. Here's the, here is the, the beautiful thing about Saul losing his sight, though, is that now he's lost his sight, but he can hear more clearly. When you lose one sense, doesn't it heighten your other senses? Like if you can't see, all of a sudden, like you're real sensitive to the touch. You, you can hear things that like you just, never really noticed has always been there, but now you, you hear him. And that's where Saul is. He's lost his sight, and now he can hear more clearly. He's isolated in some random dude's house named Judas. He's just stuck there, isolated. He's, he's vulnerable. He can't see. And some of you might feel like you're in this season of being isolated, and let me tell you, that's not all bad because just like Saul here, this was an opportunity for him to, to listen and to hear more closely. You might feel like you're lonely, but it's really just a season of isolation that God wants you to just pause for a second so you can hear him long enough. You can work through the things that you've been feeling, the things you've been thinking, that he can work through you. You can, you can hear him clearly in isolation. Let me prove to you, Jesus himself, before he started his ministry, 
He, he goes out in isolation in the wilderness for 40 days so that he can prepare for his ministry. He was there with the Holy Spirit preparing for this amazing three and a half year ministry that we're still talking about 2,000 years later. It was to prepare. It wasn't him being lonely. It was him being isolated so he could hear the Holy Spirit and prepare for what was to come. If you're in isolation, I hope that's encouraging to you. It might just be a season for you to, to pause and be more intentional, to listen clearly to his voice. So we've got Saul in this random man's house. He's blind. He's vulnerable. He's gone from the villain of Christianity to now just being vulnerable in this, this house. He doesn't even know where he's at. He's desperate he doesn't have any answers. He's just desperate in this home. And God calls a man by the name of Ananias. I don't know about you, but I'm like, who? <laughs> he, he, didn't call, he didn't call Peter. He didn't call John, the beloved. He didn't call James. He called Ananias? Who's, who's this? This is the only time that Ananias is mentioned in Scripture. This is the only time. There's another man, if you're questioning me, there's another man by the name of Ananias in chapter 5, but he clearly dies, all right? So this is a different man named Ananias, the only time he's mentioned in Scripture. It seems random, like this random guy, like drops in on this one story, Ananias, Jesus calls to Ananias, and Ananias immediately responds, yes, Lord. I love that, just the, the anticipation, like immediately, yes, Lord. The, the obedience, the immediate instinctual obedience of Ananias, he hasn't, even ha he hasn't even heard the command yet. He's just like, yeah, I'm ready, let's go. Yes, Lord. He says, go pray for Saul. Go pray for Saul. Now, we read earlier that Ananias knew of this Saul because he questioned Jesus about it, right? He knew of Saul and, and how bad and violent of a man he was. So I don't know about you guys, but if I know of this Saul and what he's about and what he's on mission to do, and then, and then I'm told to go pray for him, I'm like, you want me to do what? Are you the, the guy that's like trying to kill like me? You want me to go pray for him? Do you, do you know who this guy is? Like Jesus don't know. <laughs> We're so smart, aren't we? We're so smart. But Jesus says, go. He says, go. So, uh, you know, I'm like, all right, well, uh, well, I got some more questions, um, if, if it's me. I got some more questions. Like, is he still blind? Like, is he completely blind? He can't see a thing, right? Like, he's still completely, he can't see me. I'm, okay. But Ananias doesn't even question. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll go. He walks out. I have no idea if Ananias actually knew of this Judas. I don't know if he knows where Straight Street is. 
uh, it doesn't clarify for us here uh, in the, the passage. Uh, so I don't know if this is a situation where Ananias just starts walking, you know, like, where do I go, Lord? No GPS on this thing, just like, where do I go? And left, right, you know, he's just steering the way. I don't know if that's the case. I, listen, I know, you might think that's silly. I know of situations of people that go to this church that God has literally done that. They've gotten in a car, said left, right, boom, boom. He still does it today. These aren't just stories 2,000 years ago. The power still lives today. Or maybe he did know. Maybe he did know where Judas's house was. Regardless, can you imagine how awkward it had to be approaching this door? Now think about it. Like really put yourself in, in his shoes. I'm about to go pray for this saw, dude. I don't know who Judas is. And I'm about to go knock on this door to go pray for this man that is like killing people. Can you... That's got to be nerve-wracking, to say the least. So here, <laughs> here goes Ananias walking up to this door, knocks on the door. A man's op man opens the door. Hey, uh, Judas? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. Hey, uh, I know this is kind of weird. I don't know you, you don't know me, uh, but by chance, is there a, a guy? And if he's not here anymore, that's totally fine. Like, if he's not here, it's all good. Is there a man here by the name of Saul? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's here. Now, is he blind? Yeah, sweet. All right, he's still blind. All right. He's like, yeah, he's in the back room. He's, he's been kind of to himself. He's been praying a lot. Do you know him? Well, no, I, I actually don't know him, but I just know someone who does. So here I am. It's a crazy story, isn't it? There are four things that I'd like to call out really quickly that Ananias did that I'd like us to pull from, to take away, to live by, okay? Four things. The first one is he had frequency with God, meaning he was in tune with the Holy Spirit to be able to be in a position to hear his voice, right? He was, he was connected he had no idea when Jesus was going to call out, right? He had no idea, but, but he had frequency with him. He was in tune with him so that whenever that happened, he was going to be able to hear it. We just got out of this series talking about the elimination of hurry, right? And the busyness. We get so distracted living life with all our stuff that we, we don't have many times the space to be able to hear his voice. So we, like we talked about through the series, we need to build structure in our lives that allow us to be able to hear his voice when he calls. 
can I be kind of the pastor for a moment, kind of the coach, your coach for a second? And please know that I, I, this is not to condemn in any way, but we know, <laughs> we know who got kicked off the island last or, or who got and didn't get the rose, right, this week. We, we, we know how to beat this level of this game or whatever we're into, but, but when it comes time to pray, I just can't find the time. Fair? Like the structure we need to be connected to him so that we can hear his voice. Amen? So we have to have, we have, to have frequency. We have to be in frequency with him and in tune with him. The second thing is he followed. It didn't matter how crazy the situation was, how much fear he had in his spirit and his, his soul and his mind. I mean, like it didn't matter of the uncertainty of Saul. He didn't know that Saul had this crazy, amazing encounter with Jesus on his way to Damascus. All he knew was Saul was this dude killing Christians but he still followed what Jesus said. Amen. He had the faith to follow through or follow him when he said, go. Roman, just last weekend, he was doing trust falls, you know, just going. He, he didn't, no, no worry at all whatsoever. He knew dad was back there. Dad was gonna catch him. This is kind of fun, but I don't know about when the last time is you've tried a trust fall, but yeah, it takes trust. And, and, and in that way, Ananias just trusted whatever he said. God, you are big. You are so much grander than I. I'm just going to trust. This makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I'm just going to trust in what you tell me to do. He followed regardless of the situation because God will prepare the way to whatever path he sends you down, right? He will prepare that way. He's working behind the scenes. No, you don't know about it, but he's gonna call you to step into that and have bold faith to be able to do it. The third thing is that he fellowshiped. The first thing out of his mouth when he gets back to the room with Saul is brother Saul. Brother Saul. Regardless of this terrible life that Saul is living, the first thing out of his mouth is to call him brother. We need a little bit more of this in our world, don't we? We need a little bit more. And, and can I say, I think we need to be the ones leading the way in doing it. That regardless of people's baggage and regardless of, of the way they think differently than I do. And regardless of all of that, I can still love them. I can show compassion toward them. I can call them brother and sister. I would love to lead the way in that endeavor. How about you? Yeah. Right? He fellowshiped. He fellowshiped. And the fourth thing is, that he did end up following through. He followed through. Ananias, <laughs> the, the nobody, the, the, the one call out, 
of Ananias. He goes and he lays hands on Saul. And Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit and regained his sight, went on to be baptized, went on to be the Paul that we know. But it was Ananias who followed through. It was Ananias, the one that no one hardly knows about, that led to Paul. See, uh, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have the handkerchief that healed like Paul. He wasn't Peter that walked by and his shadow was healing people. But the same power that Peter and James and John that we all are well aware of, the same power lived in Ananias. This proves to me. This proves to me that you don't have to be the, the pastor or the prophet or the evangelist. You don't have to be the missionary. You don't have to be all of that. No, no, you just be Ananias. You just, you just step into whatever he, he calls you to be. All you have to do is have the bold faith just as you are and God can operate through you. See, Ananias represents all of us. You're Ananias, I'm Ananias. And God just wants so desperately to move through us. He wants to further his kingdom through us. You can stand with me real quick as we wrap up. I'd like to, uh, to end with telling you a quick little story. And um, please know my heart in sharing this story. Um, I have not told much of anyone about this story. Um, but I'd like to tell you this story because I believe God wants me to share this with you to, to build your faith. About nine or 10 years ago, uh, for the first time, God spoke to Tara and said, I want you to give a specific amount of money to a specific couple. This was the first time this had ever happened. And so Tara's like, Devin, I don't know about this, but I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. I, I don't know. And so she shared with me, I'm like, that's, um, that's not $2. I mean, it was a decent amount of money. I'm like, are you sure about this? Like, how sure are you at this? And so we would pray. We prayed on it. We continued to, to feel like, man, this is, I think this is what we're supposed to do. And as we're coming to grips with that, I begin to, to play out in my head, how in the world am I going to tell this couple friend of ours, like, here's a check. Um, and as I was playing out the scenario in my head, I'm like, 
this is going to be awkward. <laughs> this is going to be terribly awkward. Uh, I, I, do, I didn't want to offend them because like we, like we want everyone to think we got everything under control, don't we? Like, I got this. I don't need your help. I'm good. So I'm thinking, man, like, I don't want to offend them. They're like close friends of ours. I don't know. I don't know about this. So I start second guessing it again. And ultimately, we end up inviting them over to the house. We have a great night where we're hanging out, we're talking, and we're laughing. Just a great evening. And I know in the back of my head, like, I got to bring this up at some point. And I'm pushing it off. I'm like, yeah. So I'm, I'm pushing it off. I'm pushing it off. To the point, y'all, where now we're in the driveway. <laughs> They've put their kids in the car. And I'm, Tara's looking at me, like, with the, the eyes, you know, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, here we go. No more double Dutch time now. Like, I just got to jump in. And so uh, I say, I'm like stumbling through my words like uh guys I just wanted to share something with you real quick um <laughs> I felt so much like Ananias like I I have no idea what this is about uh it's super awkward um, my heart is just like beating out of my chest in this moment, you know. I'm sure my voice is like shaking, you know, as I'm saying it. Guys, I don't want to offend you at all. Like, I, we just feel like God told us to do this. I don't know. Like, I'm just, we feel like we got to do it because God told us to do it. I hope it makes sense. Like, don't hate me forever. You know, like, just is so awkward. And so... We end up handing the, the check over to them. And as we hand it out, they look at each other. They whip their head at each other. And I'm like, this is not going well. They hate me. Like, this is terrible. Like, I, can I just take all that back? So they grab the check. They glance at it. And they whip their head at each other again. And I'm like, this was the wrong decision. This was, what are we doing? I mean, I'm like freaking out. You know, like in those milliseconds when you're like, oh no, this is going terrible. That's what's going on in the inside of me. And then as I'm watching like super closely to what they're thinking and you know, like every, everything I can pull, I'm like, what's going on right now in their head? This friend of mine, he's this like, He's this tough dude, like, uh, like he, he's a he's a physical, rugged, tough guy. Um, he looks at he looks at us, and I noticed a tear begin to well up in his eye, and I'm like, okay, what's going on right now? I don't know if I've ever seen him do this, and he starts to share with us that he was going through some stuff physically at that time that didn't really know about. And, and he's like, I physically have not been able to work this past month. And as a result, I haven't been getting paid 
this past month. And we have been praying to God, God, please like make a way. Like uh, I'm asking for a miracle. Like we, I don't know how we're gonna pay our mortgage. Like God help us with this mortgage payment. And they looked at us and they said, this check right here, this is, this is our mortgage payment. This is the amount of our mortgage payment. This story is, is about nothing other than how amazing our God is. It's about nothing other than how amazing our God is. Do you know how much of a faith booster that was for me? <laughs> the next time Tara got a, a dollar amount, I'm like, whew, let's do this. <laughs> there was no hesitation at all. I, you know, it didn't even it didn't even matter like the amount or the person, the couple, the whatever. I'm like, it's it's Christmas morning. You got a, you got another one? Everything changed. I had a million hesitations the first go around. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. Listen, God wants to move in and through you. He wants you to have bold faith. He wants you to be in frequency with him so you can hear his voice. He wants you to follow what he guides you to do. He wants you to have fellowship with those around you, and he wants you to follow through on what he has called you to do.